invite you today to open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because we're going to go ahead and uh, just finish what we have been studying throughout now this course. And as we do that, I will dismiss the youth to go back there with Chris as they will have their study today. But we are in such an incredible time in this book of 1 Corinthians. And before we dive in, I do want to encourage you for the men and even for the the ladies that you would encourage those men in your household or men that you know of to come to the men's breakfast. We have a, a guest speaker that's going to be coming this Saturday morning. Incredible breakfast lined up for us and a guest worship band that's going to be here. It's going to be uh, just a, a sweet time of fellowship with God for all the men. So if you are available this Saturday morning, come on out and bring a friend for all the men because we want you to be here and also um, for the following events that are taking place. We find ourselves now through 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and we're going to pick up in verse 25 as we finish the remainder portion of this chapter and we're talking about here in this chapter Paul is teaching us that God is the God of order can we say that together God is the God of order and we want to really believe that we want to write that down we want that to to really be memorized in the tablets of our hearts that God is the God of order And through chapter 12, you know what Paul teaches us is that there is unity that needs to be taking place in the church. There is unity that needs to be taking place in your home. There is unity that needs to be taking place in your life. And then in chapter 13, he moves us to talk about love. And there is love that needs to be taking place in the church. There is love that needs to be taking place in the life of the believer. And then in chapter 14, he talks about order. Do you understand how these three principles and concepts that we're learning in only three chapters can really make a big difference in your life? What if you solely studied in God's Word about unity, about love, and about order? Would we not have a healthier church? Would we not have healthier marriages? Would we not have a more healthier, now spiritual walk with God because we have the unity in order, we have the love in order, and that we also have the order in place in our lives? Well, that's exactly what he wants to do here in chapter 14. And you know, it's interesting because you need unity of chapter 12, you need the love of chapter 13 to get the order that he's talking about in chapter 14. And in chapter 14, it's divided into three sections. Because here, they're using their spiritual gifts. And in particular, he focuses on the gift of tongues. But he says, if you're going to use a spiritual gift, or if you're going to do anything within the body of Christ or the family of Christ, you need to do it with the purpose of edification. And we look through the first two major points of this chapter, which was number one, the need for edification. In your life, there's a need to edify a need to build up, a need to encourage, a need to strengthen, a need to comfort, right? The need for edification. Another word for edification is encouragement. You see, anything that we do in our lives, in our marriages, in our homes, in our workplace, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, there has to be encouragement alive. There is a need for edification in the church. And if you're going to use any gift that God has given you, if you're going to say, well, I'm doing all these gifts but there's no edification, are the gifts being used the right way? 
where I'm serving all of these people, but if there's no encouragement, are the gifts being used in the right way? Your gift should be to encourage, to edify, to build, to strengthen, he's telling us. But there's also, number two, a need for understanding. That we would understand the gifts. That we understand the way we're serving one another. Because with understanding comes edification, of course. And if we have an understanding of what's being said, and particularly when we're talking about tongues, we won't be carried away. You know why a lot of people are not edified when it comes to the spiritual gifts? Why is it that we can be using all these spiritual gifts for a long time and many years in the church, but we never grow as mature Christians? Well, we never become more than just these infant Christians is because we were carried away. And I pray today you're, you don't get carried away with gifts, but that you would be cemented and founded on the Word of God. But also today we're going to focus on the need for order. We talked about the need of edification, the need for understanding, but the need for order. Do you know that order is so important in our lives? In fact, what here Paul is trying to do is, he's giving an emphasis on the gifts that others understand. In particular, the gift of prophecy. He said, why don't you focus on prophecy? Why don't you focus on teaching? Because everybody understands that and that edifies everyone. While the gift of tongues only edifies yourself because you're praising God. And especially if there's no interpretation, then it just absolutely edifies no one. So focus on those things that make other people grow. Can you remember that today? That you would focus on those things and those areas that make other people grow. That's exactly what he's telling them. In your life today, in your home, what would happen if you went home and you focus on those things that make your husband grow? If you focus on those things that you made your wife grow, that you focus on those things that make others in the church grow, focus on those things that make others grow. And, and in particular, when he said, when you're speaking in prophecy, you're encouraging, you're uplifting, people understand, people are strengthened. Paul is creating an environment church here where there is order. He's creating an environment where Jesus is exalted He's creating an environment when Jesus is glorified. And when you create an environment where Jesus is glorified, where Jesus is exalted, where there is order, automatically everyone else gets built up. Because if Jesus is exalted, if Jesus is glorified, and if there is order, others will be built up and encouraged and strengthened and comforted. Do you know that in the church where there is order, it honors God? That order honors God in the church. God is honored by order. And God also honors order in the church. Because it speaks about discipline. Because it speaks about a plan. You see, where there is order, the church is edified. And he's going to talk about how there must be order. And if there is order in the church, guess what also is? There is spiritual growth. I'm very concerned about the spiritual growth of our church. I'm not so much concerned as, as, as much as we would like for us to reach the maximum amount of people, which is an amazing vision to have, but that we ought to be concerned for the spiritual growth. And in order for the, there to be spiritual growth, there must be order. And let me tell you something else. Your life also needs order. Because if there's no order in your life, if there's no order in your home, if there's no order in your devotional time with God, 
there's going to be no spiritual growth. Is there order today in your house? Just like the church will not grow healthy when it's out of order, your life and your spiritual walk and your family and your home and your devotional time with the Lord, you will not grow healthy as a spiritual disciple of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, if there is no order, if your life is out of order. And you ask yourself, well, how do I get order in my life? You say, Holy Spirit, I need you to come into my life. I need the Word of God so that there could be order in my life again. Because change and spiritual awakening and revival and all that good stuff that everyone does desire, that we want the spiritual gifts and awakening and revival and all things that we pray about. We pray about all those things. But if there is no order, we cannot get those things. <laughs> and you understand, you have, we, have, we must understand that it doesn't, those things don't happen by accident. Revival doesn't happen by accident. It happens when we come to God. And we say, Lord, we want to seek your word. We want to seek your Holy Spirit. We want your Holy Spirit to fill us because we know that God is a God of order. Amen. You know this? What, I mean, imagine. Just imagine what would happen. How dangerous it would be if we had a world without order. And some of you would say, well, we do. Imagine if we had a country without order, with no laws. Cities with no order, with no enforcement. What would happen if we had a church with no order? Would there be any spiritual growth? What about a family without order? How dangerous can it be if there is a family without order? There are some serious consequences to that. When you have an organization, an establishment, a country, a family, a church, a city, a life without order. And here's going to tell us that it's important that we get things in order. I, I pray that today before you leave, you get things in order. Your life in order. Your spiritual walk in order. That's what he's going to tell us today because what was getting in the way of these people in Corinth was the gift of tongues. It was getting in the way of the order. It is very dangerous, I'll tell you, to be more interested with emotions and with experiences than with the Word of God. Because they were more interested with an experience, with an emotion, with a feeling than they were about the order that comes in the Word of God. And that's the, the world we live in today, I'll, I'll tell you. Today we are more interested about feelings and we have ruled out order. And, and I, want you to, I want us to go back to the order of God's Word. Because when we go back to the order of God's Word and we have order in our relationship with God, everything else in our life also starts to come into place. Our marriages, our families, our children, our communities, our societies, when we go back to the order of God's Word. Let's go ahead and go to verse 24 and 25 as we kick off and jump from where we had studied last week and talk about how He's saying that the tongues, the gift of tongues, is getting in the way of the order. Now in verse 24 it says, But if all prophesy... And an un unbeliever or an unformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, and he is convicted by all. If you're going through the Word of God, and you're at church, and you're gathered together, right? And you're prophesying, and the gift of teaching is taking place, and an unbeliever comes in, guess what's going to happen? They're going to be edified, because they will be convinced of their sin, convicted of it. And something's going to happen in verse 25. They're going to glorify God, and thus the secrets of the hearts are revealed, they will understand that they need God, that there is sin in their lives, but they can have salvation and forgiveness. 
And so falling down on his face, he will worship God. When you have the word of God, and you have the worship of God, the conviction of God, the presence of God, their surrendered lives take place. And it says he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. God is present. When the word of God is present, the Holy Spirit is present. Conviction is present. The presence of God is there. And we must understand when we are convicted, that means the presence of God is present. That is one of the best indicators of knowing that God is among us. When there is surrendered lives, when there is conviction taking place, we know God is present in our lives. The most powerful times of your life, I will tell you, is when you start to feel convicted. You start to feel that, that gut-wrenching feeling of, I'm wrong and I need to change. Because that's the presence of God changing your life to be more holy. And we need that. We need, Lord, give me conviction. Give me that feeling of knowing that I'm walking away because I want to back, walk back towards where you are at. And I want to declare that God is among us so that I can repent and I can surrender. So it is from the conviction that we know that God is truly among us as He is telling us. And now He goes on in verse 26 and He's telling us in regards to this order. How is it then, brethren? He's going to give a summary. What is it like then, brethren? Whenever you come together, and it's important here that we realize that we should come together. You see, you never grow if you're isolated. You are not intended to be isolated. You cannot live in isolation and pretend that you're growing spiritually. It's not going to happen. He's saying, how is it then, brethren? Or let's come to a conclusion now in regards to what we talked about. When you come together, first important Lee is important that we know that we should come together, that we should have the community, that we should have the fellowship. And it says this now, each of you has a psalm, some have a teaching, some have a tongue, others have a revelation, some give an interpretation. However, regardless of the gifts and the capacities in which you are serving, let all things be done for edification. No matter what takes place when you come together as a church, whether it's a small group, whether it's a large church setting, whether it's a midweek service or a Friday night prayer evangelism, or maybe just simply fellowship, that you're hanging out and spending time with other believers. Let all things be done for edification. You know what edification means right here? For the strengthening of everyone. Let everything be done to benefit everyone that's present for the strengthening of all. The New Living Translation says this, but everything is to be done must strengthen all of you. It must strengthen everyone. And you know how it strengthens everyone when all these gifts spoken about in verse 26, which is whether it's the teaching, whether it's the tongue, whether it's the interpretation, whether it's the revelation, when it happens in order, then people are edified. No matter what gift you have in your life, whatever it is God's called you to do, when it's happening in order, when it's, it's in symmetry, when it's in sync with the Holy Spirit, guess what's happening? God is using it. God uses it when it's in order. You almost have to ask yourself, if, if it's not in order, is someone truly being edified? And in verse 27, he goes, If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. Now he's saying, all right, I'm not against speaking in tongues. However, if you're going to do it, you must do it the right way. I'm going to give you instructions in regards to the tongues. 
And look, look, these are the instructions in regards to the tongues. And it says if someone's going to speak in tongues, you're not just all going to come and everyone's just speaking in tongues. And there's music going and it's getting louder and louder. And the louder the music gets, the, 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 the louder your voice in tongues gets. And, and that's what you want to hear. No, that's not how it happens. <laughs> and all of a sudden people start falling over and dancing and running around. No, that's not the way the gifts are to be operated. And in fact, it says, if you're going to do it, let me give you some instructions. The instructions are found in verse 27. And it says, if there ought to be in tongues, let there be two at the most. <laughs> and I want you to underline this, at the most, three. Let there be a small group of people. But it says here now, one at a time, it says, each in turn. Don't interrupt each other. We don't need people interrupting each other at church. We don't need someone saying, time out and it's my turn, you know. We don't need you overlapping or speaking over someone. There has to be order. And he says, look at, look at what he's telling us in verse 27. Let there be two at the most, three each in turn. Everyone should have their turn. No one's speaking over one another. And let one person interpret. Why one person? Because it's unanimous to how the Holy Spirit works. Imagine if there's five interpretations to one tongue. How do we know it's really from God? Let the one person be really the one that's interpreting. Because the Spirit of God is working unanimously. And everyone is contributing to the edifying of the body of Christ and the whole church, right? Now, verse 28 tells us, But there, if there is no interpreter, if there's no one there that has the gift of interpretation, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Now, I want us to learn that. Let him keep silent. See, in a lot of times in our lives, what gets us in trouble is the same thing that got the church in trouble now in Corinth. <laughs> Maybe for them it was tongues, plural. They were speaking unknown languages. But how many times has our tongue, singular, got us in trouble? <laughs> you see, our problem is maybe our tongue. Maybe it's not the tongues today, but maybe it's the tongue singular that we use. What does James tell us in the book of James? He says, even so the tongue, a little member, it boasts about great things. Has your tongue ever exaggerated about things? Well, look at me, how good I am, how, how better I can be. See how great a forest, a little fire, it kindles the tongue. How it makes a large damage. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members. It defiles the whole body. Your tongue makes an entire difference in your entire body. And sets on fire the course of nature. And it sets it on fire, but no one can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, our God and Father. And with it we curse now men who have been made in the similitude of God. Now it says here now, out of the same mouth proceed blessings and curses, my brethren. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives and great bear, a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Now what I read that today in the midst of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, because we must learn to keep silent if it doesn't edify someone. See, the problem that we have in our world today is that everybody wants to have their own opinion. And because of that, we let our tongue get us into trouble. We should use our tongue to edify, not to destroy, not to discourage, but to build one another up. Here he's telling them in verse now, 29 now. And in verse 28, and if there's no interpreter there, if there's no one that can give an understanding to those tongues, what should we do? We should just keep silent because no one's going to understand. 
And if no one's going to understand the way we speak or no one's going to be edified in what we're going to say, then it's better that we keep silent. See, we have a problem with opening our mouths too much sometimes. And the church right here today, in God's word, we're learning what it means to be sensitive. That's a powerful word. Because if it's it's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit always works unanimously and it is sensitive to what's taking place. Now in verse 29, he says, but if now let there be two or three prophets, now speak and let others judge. Now if somebody has a gift of teaching or maybe you're in a small group setting and others are now to share and, and give an exposition of the word of God where, where you know what, this brother's going to share and that brother's going to share and then this brother's going to share, right? Let there be those that would examine what they're sharing. That's why we come and we bring our Bibles. That way you know that that person that is teaching from the pulpit that day, and guess what happens? He's not making this stuff up. <laughs> well, you're examining, you're following along. You're saying, does this align with Scripture? Is, is what that person saying, does it align with Scripture? That's what he's telling us in verse 29. Let there be others that judge or others that examine. Those that discern whether the things that are taking place are lining up with the Bible. Just because you go to church and things are getting done, does it mean, is it a really aligning with the Bible? Does it align with Scripture? What about our own lives? Are we lining our, our lives up with the Bible? Does it line up with Scripture? Does it line up? Is it according to God's Word? And here, that's what he's telling us. Now, in verse 29, let those others judge. But if anything, verse 30 now, is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. Now, what is he telling us here? What is he saying about in regards to in turn? At the most three, let one by one, that person keep silent. What was taking place in the church in Corinth is that they were interrupting each other with tongues. And then they were interrupting each other with prophecy. And he's saying, you know what Paul is saying? In, in the context of chapter 14, he's saying, don't interrupt, create order. Where, where you're not speaking over one another, where it's not a competition, where you're not interrupting because that doesn't edify anyone. And there is no order in that. Now he's saying, do other people have the gift of teaching and prophecy? Absolutely, they do. And then within a place and a time that God gives and opens up those doors that others would share, well, praise God for that. But let it be done in order. You see, it's important that we talk about order, we talk about the structure that he's telling, teaching us here. Because you know what Paul is using? He's using Scripture. Judge it and examine it. See if it aligns with Scripture. When you use the Bible, things stay in order. When you don't use the Bible, things can get out of hand. And I'll tell you, in your life, if you're not using the Bible, things will get out of hand. In your relationships... In our lives with our children, if we're not using the Bible, things will get out of hand. We cannot let things get out of hand. We must align things up with Scripture, even in our lives. You notice that when you're not reading the Bible, all of a sudden all these things start to take place in your life. And you say, well, I don't have the strength to go through all of this. You get frustrated, you get discouraged. But when you're in God's Word, even when you're going through those situations, you know, I am in the center of God's will. I'm going to face these things with the Word of God. And with the Word of God, I'm going to put things back in my life in order. Now, verse 31, for all of you can prophesy. One, read this in verse 31, one by one. That's what he's saying. One keeps silent, then the other one speaks. 
one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. See, what's the point of using your gifts? What is the point that we come in to serve? Is that others would learn and be encouraged. See, the purpose of you, when you come in to use your gift, even at church, or if you go in fellowship, or, or if you're at home and you're serving your family, it's for the purpose that they would learn. But it's also for the purpose that they would get encouraged. That's the goal. That's why we say love is the highest goal. Because through love people are learning. Through love people are getting encouraged, right? And he's saying one by one share in verse 31 so that people would learn and they would be encouraged. We want to leave encouraged today. We want to leave having learned the word of God. And it says, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Why does he tell us that? Well, maybe someone at church says, well, I have the gift of prophecy and I'm going to use the gift of prophecy. I can't control it. And the God just comes upon me and I start to prophesy and I just can't control it, brother. I, I cannot do it. Well, yes, you can. The Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit itself control. You can't control it. <laughs> and if you can't, if you say you have to just yell that out, then maybe it's just emotion and it's not rooted in the Word of God. It's not the Holy Spirit speaking. It's you moving by emotion. You're letting your emotions carry you away. That's what he's saying. Now the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The gift of prophecy is submitted to that person that is prophesying. And if you don't think so, well, have you ever seen someone? Or maybe if you think that you have it, well, I just can't control it. I'm just going to yell it out. Have you ever done that at the grocery store? Have you ever done that at the park when the Holy Spirit is working inside? You just start prophesying. And no, you haven't. You see, because the Spirit of God is working. And when it's working, you have to understand that there is self-control. Now, you must also understand that if you, the Lord's given you maybe a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy, that, that you know when it is that the Holy Spirit is moving for you to use that gift because you want others to grow and to be edified. That's the goal, that they would learn and be encouraged. Now verse 33, for God, what's the reason why he just told us all this? Because God is not, is not the author of confusion, but of peace. That's the punchline today. God is not the author of confusion. He is the author of doing things right. He's the author of peace. God is never in a rush. God is never trying to confuse you. God is never in a hurry. He is the author of peace. Understand this. When there is order, God will give you peace about it. Well, you know what? I'm about to step into this new place in life and I'm so confused and nothing is going awry and, and I don't know if things are not lining up. Well, well, let's pause for a minute. Let's make sure that there is order. Has God given you peace about it? Because if He has, then God has authored it. He has put it together. But if there's not, then you don't want to be a part of it. Because God is not the author of confusion. Well, there's all these things taking place, but I'm going to force open this door. I'm going to make this happen. All through confusion, I'm just going to live in confusion. No, God's not the author of confusion. God loves to work in such an organized way. He is not about disorder. You know what I love about this in verse 33? That He teaches us that if God is the God of order, or God of peace... It doesn't mean that we do what we want, when we want, how we want. We come to church when we want all the stuff that we do what we want in our lives. That we're saying that I'm going to do whatever I want. No, God is the God of not confusion, but He is the God of order. 
And with that order comes such a peace. Right here what he's doing now, Paul is promoting for the sake of other people that there would be unity and not confusion. What happens when there's confusion between you and someone else? There's no unity anymore because there's confusion. What happens when and there is confusion and there's no more unity? The order is gone. The peace is missing. God has given you peace through the order as He's working now because God is not the author of confusion. And you would say God works in a spontaneous way. Yes, He does. But He never works out of order. And if God is in it, He's going to give you peace about it. You're not going to have confusion. You're going to know that God is in this. God's given me confidence God's given me confirmation. He hasn't given me confusion. And I want you to remember that today. God gives you confirmation. He doesn't give you confusion. Lord, if you're in this, give me confirmation. Because that's what you give. You give confirmation. You don't give confusion. You see what he's telling us? What he's trying to teach us? To walk in a line with scripture? God gives you confirmation. He doesn't give you confusion. In the church, in your life, there should not be confusion. There should be confirmation because you're seeking the word of God. Now here, what does he tell us? Of peace as it is in the churches of the saints. Just like there is in the churches and the different locations, that there would be peace. Now he goes on in verse 33, 34 and 35, speaking about the dynamics of what would take place in the church. And he, and he goes even in the area of even marriages, right? When you, when you would go back in that setting in that time, it, culturally, in the Jewish culture, in the churches, what they would do, they would follow the Jewish tradition. And the Jewish cult, synagogues, what they would do is they would have the men sit in one side and the women sit on another side, right? And, and there, there was one that would actually teach from the law. And as they were teaching from the law, if somebody had a question, sometimes they would just yell out and say, wait, I have a question on that, Right? And, and, and as it was the men that were in charge of the, of the leadership of the home and of the churches ordained by God, something was taking place here that was out of order. Now let's take a look at what's taking place here in verse 34. It says, Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law also says. And they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak at church. Now, let's take this, <laughs> this, these two verses into context. It's not, let's not look into them and say, well, you know what, Paul here is a sexist guy that does not want the women to speak at church. That is not the case. In fact, the word speak is a word which says to question or to argue or to profess or to chatter, right? Now you have a group of women sitting together and you have a group of men sitting together. What would happen when they didn't understand something? They would start to, well, man, you put a little group together and say, well, let's try to figure out what they're saying. Or, you know what, let's, let's try to, to come and we don't agree with the way he's saying that. And start to huddle up a little bit within the service. Said, no, wait, wait, don't do that. Please tell them not to do that. If they have any questions, let's just ask their husband at home in regards to what the teaching was about. And then they have an understanding. See, he's not saying they ought to not speak because the women have a beautiful role at church. The women have the gift of, of, of psalms of worship. Some women have the gift of, of in, in, in a certain setting, teaching other women. The teaching and raising up people. I mean, you think about the woman that were in the Bible. What about the Samaritan woman that was at Jesus at the well? What did she do? The Samaritan woman that had an encounter with Jesus. She went back and preached to everyone, right? And the whole village came, the whole city met Jesus and were saved. What about Mary Magdalene, a woman? She saw Jesus, the risen Lord. 
And she went back and told the disciples. She taught them. She taught now everyone else about the risen Savior. And what about now, uh, if you go to the book of Acts, between Priscilla and Aquila. Do you remember now, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, this godly couple that God used to raise up a man named Apollos, who was sent out and teaching God's word? See, God has a special place for women in the church. And He wants to raise them up as well. They have an incredible role in the church when it comes to the Word of God and the gifts and evangelism as He's teaching us. But he's, what He's trying to teach us is that it has to be done in order and without confusion. Without confusion. Can you see? Just imagine we're teaching something and it's not really understandable and someone starts to just kind of put a little group together on the side and try to kind of figure it out on the spot. Saying, wait, no, don't do that. Because that's, there's no order there. And there can, that can become now a distraction. You know what he's doing for us here? He's trying to limit distractions. And I think that we ought to limit the distractions in our lives so that we can know God better. What would happen if we had distractions going on in the service at all times? What would happen? We wouldn't be able to know God better. We wouldn't know God's Word. If we had everyone at one simple age coming to church and we have children running up and down and they're not being taught at their level, then there are distractions and we're not able to understand the Word of God as we should. That's exactly why there's order in the church so that we can limit distractions and we can understand the Word of God. Now, I want to encourage you in your life, go back home and say, if there's any distractions that I have to limit so I can get into God's Word, I'm, I'm ready to limit them today. If it's a phone, if it's a TV, if it's a computer, if it's being on the phone, if it's going out and doing something way too much, maybe it's work. But I'm going to limit distractions so I can focus on the things that matter. Here, Paul is saying, limit the distractions so you can focus on the things that matter. There's so many times we cannot be focused on the Word of God because there are too many distractions all around us. Verse 36, it tells us, hear this. Or did the Word of God come originally from you or was it only you that it reached? Now, Corinthian, did the Word of God only come to you? Do you think that you know more? Do you think that you're the only ones that know this? Do you think that you're the only ones that have been taught this for those of you that have a problem with the order? We should never have a problem with order. If we have a problem with order, we have to ask the Lord, Lord, check our hearts. Because we cannot rebel against it. God is the God of order. God is not the author of confusion. And maybe today we need to get things back into order. And he tells, if you think yourself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I, that are written to you are commandments of the Lord. And you would say, you know, I have a problem with this, this whole thing about order of, of the establishing this in the church and at home. And, and I want to do things the way I want to do them. Well, know this, Paul says. These are commandments not coming from Paul. These are commandments not coming from a live Christian fellowship only. These are commandments coming from God. And if you want to see God work in your life, then you have to abide by what God says. What does God say about it? A lot of times we want to say, what I feel, what I think, what are other people doing? What does God say about it? You want some order back in your life? What does God say about it? You want some order back in your marriage? What does God say about it? You want some order when it comes back to your relationship with that certain person that that relationship has broken? What does God say about it? It's not an opinion of man. It's not a, a counsel that you need. You need the word of God. Because that's the only thing that's going to last. And he's telling us, this, these are commandments for the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, one says, you know what, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Well, now you do, and you cannot be ignorant. And if you profess that you didn't know that, then you are truly 
ignorant of the truth here, and you're living in a self-righteous pride mentality, he's telling us this. Because this is not coming from Paul, this is coming from God. Now, verse 39, he ends here in the next two verses by saying this. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. You should desire the gifts. You should desire going out and serving people. However, let it be done, verse 40, things be done decently and in order. Now, I want you to underline those two words, decently and in order. Let things be done decently and in order. When you serve, how you serve, your commitment. Is there order to it? Or is it not order? Is it hit or miss? Is it in and, and then out? And then I'm all over the place. No, it's when you serve, how you serve, how you use your gifts. When you show up to church, how punctual, the timing. Let it be done now decently and in order. So now if it's not done decently and in order, are we doing it the right way? No, we're not. A lot of people say, well, man, there's too many of this or that or commitment or not. No, the Bible tells us. That if we're going to serve the Lord, it must be done decently and it must be done in order. You see, this is how ministry ought to take place to it. It should not be sloppy. A lot of the times in ministry, we think that we're simply volunteering. So we take out the decency. We take out the order. We take out the responsibility out of it. Because I'm just volunteering. So I don't really, I can do whatever I want. No, what he's saying here, let it be done decently and with order. Why, why is he doing this? Because everyone's just not going to have their own way. In your own life, you cannot just have your own way. You must say, it's God's way. It's not your way, it's God's way. You know what your way is going to lead you to? Suffering, frustration, discouragement, no order with the Lord, out of fellowship with God. But we must come to a place where you say, not my way, Lord, but your way, your will be done. That word decently means with beauty, with integrity, with character. That's what it means with beauty, with honesty. Here he's telling Paul, saying, I want everything that you do, it would be, there would be integrity about your witness with God. That others that are looking into your life, they would see beauty. Others looking into the church, they would see integrity. Let things be done with beauty in harmony with Christian fellowship and service with one another. Let things be done with beauty. And then he says, let things be done in order. What does order mean? With arrangement. Have you ever seen an arrangement that looks so nice? Man, that's a beautiful arrangement. You know what's beautiful about that arrangement? That someone took the time to put it together. That it was planned. Let everything be done with beauty and arrangement. Do you see how that makes life much more awesome in the Lord? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be married for God. I'm going to be a parent for God. I'm going to serve at work for God. I'm going to have this career for God, but with beauty and with arrangement. That is the way God desires for you to live, as a reflection of the character of Jesus. Because when you're living with beauty and arrangement, you're becoming more like Christ. I want to ask you today, are there any areas of your life that are not being done decently and in order? Are there any of your lives that, 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 that there's so much confusion that it has now out of order? Now there's confusion and there's chaos? Because when there's confusion and chaos and you are not in a relationship right with God, more than likely your relationship with others around you, specifically in your inner circle, are going to be out of order. 
Well, I want my relationships with everyone that's in my inner circle in my life to be in order, even in the body of Christ. But my relationship with God is out of order. It's not going to work out. I received a call even before church today. And about a, a gentleman that needs so much prayer for his marriage. But his walk with the Lord, he's saying, I'm struggling with that. That's where you start. We're getting things right in order with your relationship with God. You see, when you get your relationship with God in order, everything else, he starts to fix now your marriage, your relationships, your children, your relationship with your boss at work, right? You must have a relationship with the Lord and it must be in order. There must be discipline. There must be arrangement in the way you read your Bible. There must be order when it comes to your prayer life. Is there order in your prayer life or are there gaps? Is there discipline when you say, I'm going to separate this time to read and pray my Bible? Is that, is that in order? Because if that's not in order, everything else is going to be out of order. If you focus on having those things that matter in order, everything else will be in order as well. Is my Bible study time arranged? Is it planned? Is it disciplined? Or is it just hit or miss? There's no order. It's just whenever I do it, I get to it. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It's completely out of order. When that's completely out of order, everything else is as well. You see, God today wants to put your life in order. He wants to put your life in order. He wants to put your home in order. But you know what you must do? You must surrender to Him first. And say, Lord, here I give it to you. I surrender to you. You put it in order. When you try to put things in order, they will not work. You have to surrender and say, Lord, I give it back to you. Because I want to live. And I want to do it with beauty and with arrangement, Lord, have your way. Can we say that today? Lord, have your way. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. And we ask, Lord, right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that we would not let anything get in the way of the order that you would desire for the church. That we would not let confusion, discouragement, experience, feelings, emotions selfishness, pride, get in the way of the order that you desire. Now I pray for anyone right here that is struggling with the order in their home, that is struggling with the order in relationships that they have, that you would bring those things back into order, but we surrender them to you first. Lord, there is nothing that we can do apart from your word and apart from your Holy Spirit. we ask, Lord, as you have done great things in the past, that you would do them again. But Lord, that we would close the gaps in our prayer life. They would not be hit and miss when we read the Bible. That when we come to serve you, it would be done with discipline and with order. That others would be edified when they see us serving you, Lord. We thank you because we can examine these things by your word. And know, Lord, that we are lining up with scripture. And we ask right now, Father, you would change us. Soften our heart, God. And if our relationship with you, Lord, today is out of order, that we would put it back into order, God.